Americans. This is the Urbane Cowboys podcast with Josiah Neely of R Street Institute and Doug McCullough of Lone Star Policy Institute. Good day. Howdy, y'all. Welcome to the Urbane Cowboys podcast. I'm Josiah Neely with the R Street Institute. And I'm Doug McCullough with the Lone Star Policy Institute. If you enjoyed today's show, we ask that you subscribe, leave favorable reviews, and why don't you go ahead and follow us on Twitter. And if you're interested in being on the show or want to suggest someone to be on the show, send us a DM through Twitter. Well, send Doug a DM. Or Urbane Cowboys. Well, yeah, okay, fine. Don't, don't send me DMs. Don't send Josiah DMs. Okay, so... Today we're going to talk about uh, an issue that has been very much in the news where I am in Austin. Uh, it's also an issue that has been that a lot of other cities have been facing, but it's been really big here, and that is uh, the issue of homelessness. Uh, there, there have been some recent changes in the city practice regarding uh, the homeless population that's caused a lot of controversy. So to discuss it, uh, we have uh, Matt Makoviak, who is the... Uh, co-founder of a group Save Austin Now, which deals with this issue. He's also the host of Mac on Politics, a podcast, and also the head of the Potomac Strategy Group. You know, I I feel the only problem with Potomac Strategy Group is that it's Potomac M-A-C, not M-A-C-K. So you missed an opportunity there to to, to fully... Yeah, maybe we'll have to rebrand. Okay. All right. Well, first, first off, welcome to the program. Thanks. And uh, so second, uh, maybe, so th- there was a, in Austin, a lot of the recent controversy has to do with the ordinance change regarding to camping uh, in, uh, in public uh, and related issues to that. So m- maybe you could just go back and give, because I, I think we have some, we have a lot of listeners that are in Austin, but other parts of the country as well may not be familiar with the backstory or what's going on. So maybe you could just give some background about, you know, what the changes were and and what's happening. Yeah, sure. Thanks again for having me. Um, Austin is, you know, one of the most progressive cities in the country and its mayor and city council are more progressive than at any time in our history. And so on a range of issues, they've moved far left, trying to emulate cities like Los Angeles, San Francisco, Seattle. Uh, You know, and the latest example of that is is the homeless issue. In mid-June, the city council decided to make a change to uh, a number of changes to one ordinance. But the the net effect of it is that it made uh, homeless camping and homeless sleeping in public legal. It put limited restrictions on it, said you couldn't camp or sleep in a city park, you can't do it on private property, and it uh, exempted uh, buildings that have curfews. So that would include City Hall, would include the governor's mansion, the public library, things like that. Almost overnight, it, t- it took effect July 1st. And of course, as right after that decision was made by the city council, they went on a five-week vacation for the summer. So the, the policy took effect July 1st, and the the difference in sort of how Austin, you know, feels for residents, not just downtown, but throughout the city was almost overnight. I mean, there's really been a shocking sort of change to how the city works. Um, you now can drive around Austin, not just in downtown, although it's most acutely felt in downtown, but really you know, under overpasses at, at intersections on major highways, even in neighborhoods. And you'll see, you know, large tents, you'll see cots and mattresses. You know, I don't, I don't know that there are that many more homeless people today, you know, two and a half months later than there, than there were when this began, but it certainly is more visible. And so the net effect of all of this is that it has basically increased interactions between homeless uh, individuals and non-homeless individuals 
in our city. And, and you know, some of those interactions are, are perfectly fine, uh, but some of them aren't. And so it's led to violence, both in cases where homeless individuals are the perpetrator, but also the victim. And so it's been very bad for public safety. The uh, police chief at the University of Texas recently asked the mayor and the city council to to ban homeless camping in West Campus uh, throughout the entire campus area because he thinks it's bad for, for public safety in that area. It's been bad for public health. You can imagine uh, if someone's camping in a tent downtown or in an o- under an overpass, uh, they don't have uh, bathroom facilities. So that human waste has to go somewhere. And the city never considered the ramifications of that. It's been bad for tourism. We, we've heard from the Convention Visitors Bureau that we've had business meetings and conferences and conventions canceled because of this change. Um, and it's bad for our economy. I mean, we have massive condo developments downtown that are, you know, for sale now with units for sale. It's affecting them. It's affecting hotels. It's affecting small businesses downtown. Um, it's just been a disaster in almost every single way. And so the role that I've played uh, is, I think, on July 17th, I decided to launch a petition on change.org to overturn these changes to the homeless camping ordinance. And even to this day, what, three months and 10 days later, we haven't spent one cent on advertising. We, we're just about at 35,000 signatures. So I've used that base of people and, and updated them on a regular basis with you know what's going on. And what we've tried to do is be persuasive with the mayor and the city council. Uh, we've, we've basically said if they're not going to overturn the ordinance, we will put it on the ballot in May of 2020. That's the next opportunity. Uh, so you know, they basically, they know they have a problem. Uh, last week, they tried, they tried to put some restrictions on homeless camping. They were going to, they selected six streets in Austin and we're going to exempt those streets from homeless camping. Of course, that makes every other street less safe. It makes people who don't live or work on those streets feel like they're not uh, being represented. Uh, that whole thing got blown up and they decided to wait another month before taking any more action. So, it's a real mess, and um, they don't know what to do. They can't admit they're wrong, uh, but I would say 90% of the residents of this city oppose what they've done, and it's it's really affected Austin, which you know for a long time has been seen as a hip place, a, a great place to, to, move, to move to, to live in. We have people from California and New York and Massachusetts uh, escaping high-tax states and coming here, so it's really become a real mess. Let me, let me ask about that because um, you know I don't live in in Austin. I actually like Austin. I'm not one of these people that uh, I, I will defend Austin to outsiders to say Austin's not really Texas. Uh, but I was there recently, and having heard about this whole controversy, I was sort of expecting uh, you know scenes that I have you know that I've seen in San Francisco and Los Angeles. But at least where I was around the Capitol and 6th Street and such, I really didn't notice a big change, partly because to me, uh, the homeless have always yeah. been pretty visible in, in Austin. Uh, it, was I just in the wrong place or, or are there other places where, where there's more encampments that are more visible? Yeah, good question. So um, it, it does depend a little bit on where you are. And I'll agree, the area around the Capitol has really been pretty... Um, unaffected. I mean, my office is about three blocks from the Capitol. So I'm down there, you know, most, most uh, weekdays and I don't, you're right. I don't see much of it down there. Of course, the Capitol complex would fall under that exception. And so there's no camping allowed in the camp, the Capitol complex. Uh, and there's really not a lot of parking around there. There's really not a lot of foot traffic either. Uh, kind of in the cap, you have to kind of go inside the Capitol to find the foot traffic. And so, um, it kind of depends where you are. I mean, I'll be honest with you, Doug, you're the first, I think the first person 
that I've heard from who recently traveled to Austin who didn't feel uh, the effect of the policy. I mean, I, I don't even know what the number is of people I've heard from directly now. It's dozens, if not hundreds at this point of people who've come here. Like, they're shocked kind of what they saw. They're, you know, people sleeping in front on the sidewalk in front of their hotel or, or whatever, you know. Um, and look, let me let me stop and just say the following. Um, I don't have anything against homeless people. These people are, are in desperate situations. Um, and, you know, one of the things that kind of gets thrown at me sometimes is, well, you know, well, then, you know, the, people will say, well, what would you do? You know, what would you what would you like to see done? And, and I, I don't I'm not someone who just wants to be against something. I obviously want to propose something. So I wrote a statesman, Austin American statesman op ed, I don't know, six weeks ago. And, and I put in there what I think should happen and people can, can certainly uh, find, find that op-ed online. But obviously there's, there's a, a part of the homeless population that has mental health problems. Those people don't need to be on the streets. Okay. They need to be off the streets, getting treatment and be sheltered. There's a population that's drug and alcohol addicted. Uh, and, and honestly, they are being preyed upon by drug dealers. You can see that, uh, around the arch building, uh, at seventh street in Colorado, particular area of downtown. It is the single most dangerous one block area in Austin. Uh, drug dealers literally go to that building and, and prey on homeless people. Uh, so people have drug and alcohol abuse need to be off the streets. They need to be getting treatment and they need to have shelter as well. Everyone else needs to be on a path to work and self-sufficiency. Uh, we have 2,200 homeless people on an average, uh, day-to-day basis. According to the city, we have 800 beds available. That means we need 1,400 more beds. And the problem is the mayor has said he's not going to change or rescind the homeless camping ordinance until we have enough housing for those 1,400 people. They have proposed a 100-bed shelter in South Austin that is a half mile from three separate Hispanic-majority schools. And the, uh, the response, as you might imagine, has been uh, you know, volcanic in the neighborhood. Uh, they spent $8 million on a $2 million building, didn't involve the neighborhood at all. Uh, and people are really, really angry down there. So it's going to be months, if not years, before that one facility gets built and opens. And that will solve one fourteenth of the of the remaining problems. So I, what, I, what I take the mayor's position to mean is that, you know, it's going to be a while. It's going to be multiple years, several years before we have 1,400 more beds. And, and I don't think the city can, can, can withstand that level of chaos. So look, is it possible you could live in Austin and not be directly affected by this policy change? Yes. Uh, but what I would say is, uh, this is not a simply a downtown problem. There are encampments all throughout the city. Um, they are in fact in parks or adjacent to parks. Uh, they are certainly at underpasses. Uh, they are just in, in, in places all over the city. And, uh, you know, this is not a simply a downtown problem. It is most acute there. And of course, downtown is the economic engine of Austin. It's booming. Uh, as Josiah knows, it's absolutely booming. And, uh, you know, why we would threaten the economic engine of downtown for this policy really doesn't make very much sense. Just to follow up on, on that, as a Austin resident, I know, for example, I have a five-year-old son. He goes to a preschool, which is in South Austin. Uh, and he was saying the other day, Daddy, why was there a man without any clothes sleeping outside next to the playground? And then also another example is uh, we live in a residential area and across the street from us is a little uh, kind of wooded trail that people run on and walk their dogs and other things. And there was a little clearing in there and some people just set up a tent and were living there in the trail. So, yeah, it's definitely I mean. I would say downtown, the homeless presence has been getting worse for a while now, even even before the ordinance. It does seem like it has definitely gotten worse after the ordinance than before. 
Uh, certainly right. not. I mean, I, we're, we're not at the level of San Francisco yet, you know, that kind of otherworldly. And that's, that's something that I hope the city would want to avoid. But it's definitely been a, a noticeable change from my perspective. Los Angeles has about 75% of their homeless people don't have any shelter whatsoever. In New York State, it's about 5%. In LA County, the homeless population grew 12% last year alone. And this is after they spend quite literally hundreds of millions of dollars every year. Uh, we've been spending $30 million a year in Austin. And the problem has gotten worse and hasn't been solved year after year after year. Uh, the city manager recently proposed doubling that to about $62 million. And I think I think taxpayers are in Austin are generally kind of frustrated because our taxes go up year after year after year here. It's a very expensive city to live in. But you know, if there was a plan that people could could trust and believe in, I think people probably would would get behind that. But they really haven't done that. I mean, they, the sequencing here has been so mind-numbingly insane, right? The first thing they did is they, they didn't listen to the Chamber of Commerce, the Downtown Alliance, the Greater Austin Crime Commission, the Police Department, and the Police Association, who begged the city not to rush into this policy. They asked them to take a couple months to study it, to be careful, be thoughtful. Uh, so they, they rejected that advice from the people who are going to be most directly affected. Then they go on vacation. They leave the police department and the residents to deal with it through the entire month of July. The month of August comes by, and they don't put it on the agenda, not even one time. Then on September 9th, they hire a homeless strategy officer from the city of Orlando, where they've had a lot of success uh, on combating homelessness. Uh, so... You know, it's, it's a ready, fire, aim strategy where normally what you do is you'd hire the expert, you develop the policy, you bring in the stakeholders, and then you move forward. I mean, that is why, you you know, you do this in a, in a public policy standpoint, as you all know better than anybody. That's not what they've done here. And so now they're really stuck because their their basic position is homeless existence should not be criminal. And and look, I, I, I agree with that. I mean, I don't think a homeless person that's not bothering anybody that's just walking around is doing anything illegal. But I also think, you know, try. I don't think it's compassionate to tell a homeless person they can sleep on the sidewalk in 95 degree heat at 10 p.m. in Austin, right? So there has to be a middle ground. And, you know, making the rest of our city less safe, less uh, sanitary, less economically strong is not the answer. Uh, so we've got to get to a place where we can ramp up shelter. We've got to spend our money more efficiently and know how it's been spent in the past. But we've got to protect neighborhoods and protect, uh, you know, our city and our downtown. And we're not doing that. Okay, I want to ask what you would do different. You talked about a middle ground, but I'm curious about, if I understood you correctly earlier, you said that you posted a petition on uh, change.org. Is that, is that, uh, it, would that be to draw federal attention to this issue? And it, would a federal solution make sense here? Good question. Yeah, obviously, the president has expressed frustration with homelessness in some urban areas. He's, uh, I don't know that he's mentioned Austin. He might have mentioned it once very briefly. He's really focused more on California, where honestly, again, the scale of the problem is so much greater than it is in Texas, uh, and particularly in Austin. But I started the change.org petition uh, not to get national attention, but really to see just how broad and how deep the opposition was to the policy here in Austin. And it's true that there are people who don't live in Austin that have signed the petition. There's no geo capability on, on change.org. But I mean, I do get a list of everyone that signed it in their zip code. And I would say, th- you know, three quarters or more of the people are in the Austin or greater Austin area. So what I wanted to do is just see, I, I, I was mad about it. I knew some people I knew were mad about it, but I didn't know if everybody else was. And this, this, this thing took off to 20 or 25,000 signatures in one month with no advertising. So we use that to create an army of people that are angry about this, that we can inform on a regular basis. And, and so what I've done is I've testified now twice in front of the city council on behalf of our petition signers. And, you know, we have tried to, uh, you know, represent the views of those individuals and the concerns that they have. So 
I don't know that there's a federal solution. Uh, you know, there could be a state solution. A state solution would be preempting uh, cities' abilities to uh, pass camping ordinances for homeless populations. The state of Texas, as Josiah probably knows, has preempted uh, local governments on a number in a number of other areas, including fracking bans, including uh, Uber, Lyft, uh, uh, TN, you know, so-called TNCs, and I think a couple other areas in recent years. But that wouldn't that wouldn't even begin to be considered until January 2021. It wouldn't take effect until at the earliest May of 2021. That's almost two years away. So we have really two options here. One is to continue to put pressure and hopefully make the mayor and the city council see the light. The second option, if because I think the odds of that are unfortunately fairly low, uh, is to overturn this at, in, in an election May of 2020. And so that requires 20,000 hard signatures of verified Austin residents. It will require us to raise probably 150 or $200,000 to do that. We'll try to collect signatures at the November constitutional amendment election this November because those will be Austin residents. So that's our plan, and that's why we started this nonpartisan nonprofit, Save Austin Now, to try to you know raise that money and begin that effort. You know, does that solve everything? No, but I, I'm I'm one Austin resident. I'm not the homeless policy you know executive for the city of Austin. It's up to them to spend money wisely to put a put a strategy together and to execute it. Um, I don't think making things worse is is the solution, and that's what they've done here. Well, I guess that's where I kind of want to go with this. Let's say that this ordinance is overturned. What, in your mind, is the appropriate approach? Is there a local government policy perspective, a state government policy perspective? How do you actually assist the homeless? Or are we simply trying to keep the homeless out of neighborhoods, keep them out of commercial districts? What do you envision that middle ground being? Yeah, I mean, look, my answer is not, uh, you know, wish them good luck and do nothing. Uh, I don't think anyone's proposing that. Um, I think first we have to get a sense of of why spending $30 million a year has failed. And I think it would be good for the city, for the city manager, for the mayor to be upfront and honest and transparent about that. You would never double spending on something uh, if your previous spending wasn't working. So, you know, I, I think the answer is kind of is two is twofold. Number one, it's the thing that you mentioned, which is, yes, I don't think making our neighborhoods less safe, making downtown less safe for tourists and visitors and shoppers uh, and residents, it makes any sense at all. But I do think the answer is, is really in understanding who these 2,200 people are and what their needs are. You know, there will be some, in, uh, the mayor likes to cite a statistic. I'm going to get the numbers slightly wrong, but they're basically there. The 200 most chronically homeless people in Austin cost the city over $200,000 per person per year. It's a shocking statistic. I don't, I mean, you could put them in a nice house for $200,000 a year, you put them in a nice house for $200,000 paid one time. So I don't, I mean, I guess that's, you know, emergency room visits and other things, maybe public defenders. I don't even know how you can get to that amount of money. Uh, it would seem to me they ought to take those 200 people and focus like a laser on that population because that's where the greatest cost savings would be. And obviously those are the people that have the greatest need. The other aspect of this, I think that's really important uh, is this isn't a problem that requires only the government to solve it. We have extraordinary nonprofits in Austin that are doing incredible work. Salvation Army being one example, I think I just saw they built, they bought a building and are, are opening it soon. That's going to house, I think, 100 or 200 homeless people. And they did it entirely with private donations. There's a, uh, a successful real estate developer here named Alan Graham has uh, almost his entire life uh, to, to trying to solve the homeless issue through his nonprofit, Mobile Loaves and Fishes, which has its own facility, the Community First Village in, in South, I think it's Southeast Austin, 
I forget the numbers, but I want to say by the end of this year or even next year, they'll be able to house 500 people. And he's he has bought land around where he has the facility now. And he doesn't take one cent of city money because he doesn't want limitations on what on what on how they operate. So the city of San Antonio a few years ago spent $100 million one time to create its own kind of homeless shelter facility. And it costs, I think, $20 million a year, but they basically took their entire homeless population and took them there. And they've solved, they've effectively solved homelessness in that city. You know, I've heard the mayor say that that, that, that homeless policy experts don't think that's the solution. That's the best practice uh, that, that experts, uh, you know, kind of uh, cite today. I don't know why that that's the case, but it sure seems like that might be a good, a good model. Look, I think there are a lot of models out there, but I think the first question is, if you were able to take the mentally challenged and the drug and alcohol addicted folks off the streets, I think most of the, the violent and, and harassing interactions between homeless people and non-homeless people would go away. And so that in and of itself, if you could just do that, I think it would make a huge difference. But look, I, again, so it's partly private sector and nonprofits solving the problem on their own. It's partly spending money more efficiently at the city level, understanding what we're doing and, and, and if it hasn't worked, why it hasn't worked. But in the short term, I really think, uh, you know, going back to the way things were before July 1st uh, is the first answer. It's going to be hard for residents to buy into spending more money or trusting the city on a new policy initiative while this stays in place. So uh, with all this in mind, what's the reaction of local residents? I, I think I've seen some stories of small business owners or residents putting like boulders in front of their uh, in front of their doorways. What's the reaction of, of local businesses and local residents? I mean, on the local business side, it's been overwhelmingly negative. The, the, the Maybe the best example of that is a kind of boutique grocery chain we have here. And when I say boutique, I mean, this is a very, sm- these are small grocery stores kind of for urban areas called uh, Royal Blue Grocery. Uh, and they have a number of locations downtown. And, and their uh, CEO said that he's going to start closing early. I think they were open until nine or m- midnight at night. And they're going to start closing at six because it's been unsafe for their employees uh, to leave. And they've had they've had significant theft uh, from homeless individuals at all their locations downtown in recent months. That was kind of a wake up call because Royal Blue Grocery is not a conservative run organization. I think they're probably more progressive. This is the amazing thing about it. You know, this is not a matter of Republicans in Austin being mad and, you know, uh, you know, criticizing progressive ideas. I can't tell you how many people, particularly Democrats, have come up to me or emailed me or messaged me or texted me or called me and said, you know, I'm a Democrat, but I cannot believe they're doing this. They're making our city worse. Thanks for what you're doing. And, you know, let's what what, what can we do to help? So this is I've, I've lived in Austin since 1984. I spent nine years in D.C. after college. Uh, I've never seen an issue with greater intensity and broader opposition than this in all the years I've lived in Austin. Uh, as I said before, my estimate is 90% of residents oppose what the city's done here with this homeless camping ordinance. So I'm not trying to solve homelessness. It's not my not my cross to bear. It's I'm not an expert on it. I don't have the resources. But I do think, you know, trying to turn this back and overturn this very negative policy change, which has hurt our city, uh, is step one. In the meantime, I hope that experts uh, both inside government and outside government come together and they develop a consensus plan to go forward because I do want to see the homeless problem addressed. And there have been cities and states that have had success. So there have been some successes in the state of Utah and the state of Rhode Island. Uh, we should emulate those kind of examples and not emulate the kind of examples like Los Angeles and San Francisco and Seattle. I mentioned earlier that this uh, documentary Seattle is dying, which has kind of become uh, a viral video in recent uh, months or years. Uh, you know, if you go to those cities, I mean, the, the scale of the homeless challenge, how, how just in your face it is, how almost soul crushing it is to see and to witness and to experience uh, is 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 stunning. 
And, uh, you know, we're not there yet in Austin, but we're on that pathway right now. And I think there are a lot of people are very concerned about that because there's a lot about Austin that's very positive, very attractive for people. Uh, you know, extraordinary economic growth, 5% economic growth, GDP, year after year after year. The largest JW Marriott uh, in the country. You know, the only Formula One uh, racetrack in the country. The South by Southwest, you know, uh, film and, and music festival. The Austin City Limits Music Festival. University of Texas. I mean, we have so state the state capital. We have so much here that's attractive, but this is really threatening it, and uh, we have to we have to be successful. So, you know, through through my nonprofit Save Austin Now, which people can check out saveaustinnow.com, uh, we're trying to, to, to go out and collect twenty thousand signatures beginning in November uh, to put this on the ballot and hopefully overturn uh, this camping ordinance. and And we hope that we can stop Austin from becoming Los Angeles or San Francisco or Seattle. One one final question, because I, I, I suspect at least one of our listeners would be very upset with me if I didn't ask this question. What What is the relationship between homeless population in Austin and affordable housing? I mean, we kind of talked about how that there's obviously there's a lot of mental health issues, drug and alcohol abuse. How much of the, um, the problem with uh, homelessness in Austin or elsewhere do you think is really a function of no affordable housing? Listen, that is a, a great question, and it is it is really central to, to all of this. The median home price in Austin in, in 2019 is $407,000, up 6% from last year. You know, when I was growing up in the 80s, you could buy a $125,000 or $150,000 house in a nice neighborhood with good schools. Obviously, you know, part of that is just, you know, inflation, but we shouldn't be at that level. And we are on a trajectory that's not that different from San Francisco. We're just 10 or 15 years behind where, where they are. It takes 18 months to build a new home in Austin. The red tape that exists here is almost unlike any other city uh, in the country. Every neighborhood has its own land development code. It's absolutely asinine. In fact, last year, the city council and the mayor, really the mayor, made an effort to try to develop a uniform land development code. And as you, as you could imagine there was tremendous pushback and they bungled it every which way and it failed and they pulled it we've got to get to a point where we can build housing more quickly um, but we also have to allow neighborhoods to have uh, you know to have input uh, we, you know people don't want massive apartment complexes in the middle of neighborhoods um, but I think you know density at the intersection of major streets particularly near highways makes a lot of sense uh, as we continue to grow as rapidly as we're Austin's the 11th largest city in the country it was 30th or 35th when I was growing up. We're over a million people. The challenge, though, and I'll come back to homelessness in a second, but the challenge is that people can't afford to live in the city center, even though they may work in the city center or downtown. And so what happens is they, they move to Williamson County, just north of Austin, or Hayes County, just south of Austin. And the effect of that is it puts more cars on the road driving longer distances. And we have very limited transportation infrastructure in Austin. We have two north-south highways. They both are basically landlocked and cannot be expanded. We have no east-west highway. And we have no mass transit, basically no, no, no real mass transit. So all these problems are exacerbating each other, and it's a vicious uh, cycle at this point. But I don't doubt at all that a big reason for why the homeless population exists is the, the cost of housing in Austin. And, and related, the city council takes the maximum property tax increase every year, 8%. This is actually the last year they can do it because the state just passed a law that says the maximum now is 3.5% unless they get voter approval. So they, they increase property taxes 8% every year. That obviously is going to be reflected in the cost of housing. When you add to that, it takes 18 months to build housing. We simply do not have the supply. We have very high demand. And that, that is all mixing together into a toxic brew that's creating more homeless people every year. I mean, it's absolutely the case. And so 
It's a great question. Uh, it's a big problem. It's one a city has to address. We've got to make it easier to build housing. Uh, and, and affordable housing, the city has put some effort and some money towards that. Um, I don't think crony capitalism in that way is the answer. I think, you know, reducing regulation and making it easier for developers to come in and build the housing that people want in neighborhoods that they want to live in where it makes sense is the answer. But yeah, there's no question that availability of, of affordable housing is a big uh, part of this, of this challenge. And it's a big problem facing the city of Austin going forward. All right. Well, on that note, Matt, thank you so much for joining us. Pleasure. Thanks for having me.